Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. From the Auction Community Studios on this Monday morning, it is the Wolf and Luke Show. We officially have two of the three preseason games in the books. Just one more. It'll be in Tennessee. Wolf, you're going to Tennessee tomorrow. Road trip for Wolf. Yeah, I cannot wait for that, man. Yeah, you know what? Sunday night football. Sunday night football, of course, last night. And the best thing about Sunday night football is now all of a sudden you only have one preseason game left. The Baltimore Ravens, of course, they continue their streak 22-0 and in the preseason Ridiculous. as they beat the Arizona Cardinals, of course, last night on Sunday Night Football. Next! Can't wait for it. Well, Can't look, wait, Bart Scott. Can't wait. It, it was like we said last week. If the Cardinals win, hey, you ended Baltimore's streak. That's awesome. If the Cardinals lost, who cares, man? It's the preseason. That's where I'm at. It's the preseason. Now, you brought something up in the pre-show meeting that I was actually thinking during that game last night. Um are we worried at all that the Cardinals are not getting enough out of this preseason? Like, I'm fine. Hey, Kyler, Kyler doesn't need to play in the preseason. You don't need to risk it. Okay, I'm fine. Maybe, you know, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, what's the point of playing him in the preseason? They're not really playing anybody in the preseason, and I'm assuming that's not going to change against Tennessee. That's, I mean, is, is there any risk there? I'm kind of getting a little nervous. You know, honestly, all I can think of is last preseason, because I was saying the same thing. We Remember, were. I was Last, last preseason, I was like, you know what? I mean, honestly, just get him out there. Let him throw the ball. Let him go go out there and just do something. You've got to be kidding me. And yet at the same time, um, I never worried about guys like J.J. Watt or guys on the offensive line. I never worried about contact guys because you know how to hit yeah. or you don't. <laughs> That's what it comes down to. You know how to engage the essence of the game, or you don't. So in a weird kind of way, I was all worried about Kyler. Because a quarterback is not a football player. Never, ever oh, forget man. that. We really a quarterback like is this? not a football player. He is a quarterback. His skill set and, and what you look for in a quarterback, much of the time, is so different from anybody who actually engages in the essence of the game, which is to drive somebody else into the ground, right? So you've got a guy that I think you need to get him out there because of the rhythm, because of the timing that exists in an offense and with receivers. Doesn't it make sense that you'd get a guy out there and let him, you know, hey, here we go. Okay, good. Yeah, we're getting some live reps here because practice, man, is not game stuff. It is not. Well, And because of that, I've always worried about a quarterback more so than guys that are engaging in the essence of the game, which is to knock your face off. I just, I think back to that first year, and this is not the same thing, but Cliff's first year and Kyler's first year, remember they, they had all this new stuff they wanted to run. They didn't run any of it in the preseason. They were so secretive about yeah. it. In the first half against Detroit, it was like, yeah, Detroit doesn't know what's coming, but we don't know how to do it either because we haven't actually practiced it. Now, I don't think that's an issue now. I don't think 
Like, I don't think Kyler needs reps. I don't think any of these guys individually need the reps. And I'm not even saying it's wrong. I'm just saying now as we come up on the final preseason game, the fact that we have, I mean, among starters, we've seen like Zayvon Collins, uh, Antonio Hamilton. We didn't see Will Hernandez last night, which is fine. And we already saw him once. That's fine. Uh, but I just like as a team, they're not going to, it would appear, get even a drive together on offense. And so when you start week one, that Kyler Murray, Hollywood Brown chemistry, that A.J. Green chemistry that they talked about working on, that better just be there from the opening drive. Yeah, you know, once again, the NFL is changing. Football is changing in a gross kind of way. It really is. It is incredible, all of the change. And you've heard me say this, man, there has been a ton of change in the National Football League. But the most is how you prepare a human being to actually play in a game. And that does that becomes so obvious when you think of the preseason and what you see in the preseason now. And we're talking about not just Cliff Kingsbury and the Arizona Cardinals. We're talking about the vast majority of the league right now in preseason. And for me, it's a it's an acknowledgement that the season itself is so long now with 17 games and then, of course, the playoffs after that. The season is so long that right now to expose these guys to any more full contact in three preseason games is a little dicey when you're talking about some of your better players who already know how to go about that business. I don't disagree with that. I just think for the Cardinals specifically, you're going into week one with some, I don't think question marks in terms of talent, especially on offense. It's just timing. How many times did we hear A.J. Green and Kyler have to get on the same page more this year? We've heard it from A.J. Green. Yeah, but but Luke, we heard that all last preseason, too. That's all we heard. And they were the best offense in the National Football League for the first half of the season. But some guys played. Even Kyler played a couple series last year. And I'm not saying, again, Kyler, set yeah. Kyler aside. We're not seeing anybody. We're not seeing Connor. We're not seeing, <laughs> we're not seeing anybody. And then by contrast, again, you're playing the Chiefs in week one. So if you have, if it takes you a couple drives to get going, you're going to lose yeah. the game. Meanwhile, the Chiefs played their guys. Mahomes had two touchdowns on, on what was it, Saturday? I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying there is a right way or a wrong way. I'm just saying we're going to revisit this after week one if the Cardinals take a half to get going. Yeah. Because it's going to cost them against that You know, team. again, that's the reason why I don't worry about position players, guys that are actually driving other guys into the ground. Because you either know how to do it or not. Nobody had to teach me how to do it, Basinonians. Nobody. Nobody had to teach me how to do it. I knew exactly how to do it and what I needed to do. And you learn that very, very quickly in your career or you don't. So I'm not really worried about the position guys not getting reps out there timing-wise. You know what timing is? Come off the ball and drive the dude into the ground. That's timing right there. That's your job. Go do that. In, in, in regard to Kyler Murray and a quarterback and wide receivers, you're right. Yeah, it, it, it does concern me a little bit. It did last offseason as well, or last preseason, I should say. It concerned me that they weren't getting a lot of reps, that he only had two series, I believe. It was, it was concerning me. It was disconcerting to me. I was all over that. And then they just ripped up the National Football League for, for the first half of the season. So I, I, you know, again, I have to recheck all of my sacred cows, so to speak, and whether or not they need to be slaughtered. And that's one of them right there. 
I don't I don't care about losing to the Ravens. It would have been nice to beat them. I guess I just and I wouldn't want to play guys in, in week three because if a guy does get banged up, I'd rather he has a few weeks to get ready, right? But it's just it feels weird now because we're seeing a lot of other teams do this. It would just it would be nice to say, okay, yeah, okay, they've played two preseason games. Let's get ready for the regular season. We've seen two series with the offensive line fully out there and all four receivers, and we've seen the tight ends. We've seen Kyler have two series together, just kind of like almost a walkthrough in a game. Now, the reason I'm bringing this all up, though, Wolf, because we're not going to see it, is they're playing Tennessee this week, but they're practicing against Tennessee. Yeah. And this got brought up last week. Lorenzo Alexander brought it up. This is the We're talking about practice, man. A chance where you can kind of run through your plays, and, you, and the ones can actually practice against Tennessee with, I would assume, no real contact. Yeah. So maybe that's your your chance to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. What kind of contact? I mean, there's got to be competition, well, correct? I mean, why is Mike Vrabel's team? Why else are you practicing with him if there's not going to be any type of competition? And again, competition basically says, you know what? Um, uh, uh, one man stands in front of another and says, "You shall not pass." And you say, oh, yes, I shall. As a matter of fact, watch this. I'm going to do it right here in front of everybody that is standing around here. I'm going to do it in front of the big eye in the sky, as a matter of fact. I'm going to, yes, I'm going to pass. Um, so maybe they're going to have some heated individual work, of course. And I think that's really, really good. I, I don't know how much team stuff they'll do. We'll have to wait and see on that. But I still think there's real benefit. And this is the future of the NFL. This is the future of the NFL. They're going to continue to eliminate preseason games, and they're going to continue to practice, man, with other teams because they can control that environment. They don't want guys getting hurt when you have a 17-game schedule and you've got two buys, which there will be at some point in time. The season gets longer and longer and longer. Even if a guy does get hurt, unless it's a serious injury, he could come back. Yeah, I, and I'm fine if they want to keep knocking preseason games out. I'm just getting, I don't even want to say nervous. I'm just taking notice that a lot of other teams are getting a couple series in for their guys, particularly the team the Cardinals are playing in week one. Mahomes got some timing with Marcus Valdez-Scantling because he has some new weapons and he doesn't have Tyree Kill. Similar to the Cardinals not having DeAndre Hopkins and having some new guys to work in. Uh, just announced comedian Tom Segura is heading to Celebrity Theater for a special Netflix taping of his new world tour. Tickets go on sale this Friday at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. We come back. What did Kyle Vandenbosch see from the Cardinals' defense in preseason game number two? We're going to ask the former NFL defensive end next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Welcome back to the show, and that's music, of course. If it's Metallica, either means Wolf specifically requested Metallica, or Kyle Vandenbosch is joining us on the Arizona Sports Line, and here he is. got to be Kyle Vandenbosch, of course. Kyle is here. Kyle, uh, what did you think of the game last night? Yeah, it was a completely different looking game than the week one preseason game. I thought um, it was sloppy, missed tackles, um, blown coverage uh, at times. I, I think both sides of uh, both the offensive line and defensive line uh, didn't play as well, didn't control the line of scrimmage. Um, 
So, you know, I, I was thinking last night about what the difference was between week one and week two of the preseason. Um, and, and I'm not blaming the player. I'm blaming the philosophy. This team is winless with the fullback on the roster. <laughs> I think that's, that's got to be the answer. Oh, you. Did you see it? Were you shocked that there was the Arizona Cardinals went out and they got Josh Hokett. Don't say Hockett. They got Josh Hokett. Were you shocked the Arizona Cardinals actually had a fullback on their roster? And forget about the 0-1, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I, I was shocked. Um, <laughs> so it, was it, I. <laughs> yep. Uh, we're talking to Kyle Vandenbosch. Kyle, you kind of mentioned it on defense and not not singling out one player, but he's going to get singled out until the season starts. What have you seen from Zayvon Collins now through the first two games? Um, hey, you know, it's interesting you ask because I went back uh, this morning. It's really hard to follow how he does um, when you're watching it live. So I went back and I watched it this morning. Um, last night I came away with the impression that it was a mixed bag because he, you know, made an open field tackle. Um, seemed to be in on another couple tackles, but um, watching it this morning, I, I think he's still got work to do, to be honest with you. Um, seems like he gets swallowed up by blockers quite a bit. Um, and um, just watching him a couple times, it seemed like he played on the wrong side of a block. Um, his, he's just not quite as instinctive as he needs to be at that inside linebacker position. Um, and uh, the one pass uh, early in the first quarter where um, it was it was blown coverage. It appeared to be um, he had like a hook curl drop, and he chased a receiver into the flat, and then the middle of the field was wide open. So um, while you know I'm I'm certainly not um, an expert on coverages, it appeared like that was possibly uh, he was partially responsible for that play as well. So Kyle, what players caught your attention last night? Um, you know, I think the receivers, uh, the same um, group of receivers, um, you know, Andy Isabella, um, I, I think Bolden played well. Um, Greg Dorch, of, of course, um, had another good game. So I think uh, the receivers that are fighting at the back end of the roster, um, I, I think they played well. Obviously, Jonathan Ward played well. Um, Keonta Ingram continues to play well. Mm-hmm. Um um, is, is it Wooten? Is that who it is? That he had a yes. Chandler Wooten like played really a good well game. Um, was has good notes for the football. Just it seemed like um, listening to uh, you and Pash last night, like he called his name quite a bit. Um, so um, he he really showed out well. Um, you know, on the flip side, um, again, I don't think I think the offensive line struggled for the most part, particularly in the first half. Um, you know, Trace McSorley um, did not play as well as he did uh, the first week, but he was under duress uh, for a good part of that first half. Didn't have time to set his feet. Um, was was scrambling and trying to buy time um, for the most part, uh, but he was also uh, when he did have time, um, there was um, a couple of throws that were just off target. Um, so he wasn't quite the same as he was the week before. Um, so you know, I, I again, I keep looking for um, which of these young outside linebackers um, is flashing, which one uh, is potentially separating himself, um, and. I'm not seeing much at this point. Um, I'll tell you, 
Um, Dennis Gardeck looks fast, quick, and explosive. I think he's going to be a factor this year. Devon Kennard looks like a different player than he was last year. Um, he didn't play in the first preseason game, but looked good and was very productive in his limited reps last night. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, but I think we're going to need, um, especially with whatever's going on with Marcus Golden, who hasn't practiced in three weeks. And if it's if he's dealing with a toe injury, um, that's a tough injury for uh, for a pass rusher. Um, so one of these young guys is going to need to step up and be productive. I'm just not quite seeing it yet. And, um, um, you know, I, I was talking to Craig Greeley last night. One of the random um, odd facts coming out of the game, our stats is um, – Deontay Ingram and Trey McBride had as many tackles as Jesse Lucchetta, Cam Thomas, or my and my Jay Sanders. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> maybe not the best stat. We're talking to Kyle Vanderbosch. Uh, Kyle, the corners, that was an area that I think most people agreed was, was the biggest question mark on this team. I know it's preseason. It's two preseason games, but you haven't really seen a whole lot to, to indicate, hey, that, that situation and that position is shorn up. What do you think they do there going forward? Yeah, I think it's time to uh, start looking outside of that that room, um, just particularly for depth and experience. Um, I thought Josh Jackson uh, played well in the first preseason game, and last night he really struggled. He had a pass interference and also got beat um, on a touchdown pass. Um, you know, and Christian Matthew is showing some things. He's he's uh, a physical corner. Um, he's he's feisty. Um, you know, he was in on a lot of tackles last night, but I don't know that he's quite ready. I think you probably need a guy that you can bring in that has some experience. Um, and the time to do it is now. Um, you know, I don't, I, I realize corner is a position at times, um, you know, you can plug a guy in and just say, you know, you've got to cover this guy wherever he goes. But um, I think you want to get a guy um, in your system, get him in practice um, so he can get up to speed on the scheme and, and the techniques that you're teaching. So um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring somebody in the, in the very near future. And Kyle, are you worried about the lack of reps for the starters in this preseason? I am, but I don't. Uh, I mean, I obviously don't know anything because I was really concerned last preseason as so well. Was I. I was concerned going into the opener um, or the the preseason opener, and, and you know the twos and threes looked extremely sharp. Uh, I will say this: um, you know, while it's hard to take a lot from preseason games because the the stars and the players are going to rely upon are not getting those reps. Um, I think you do get some indications about what you need to work on and the fact that um, there was a lot of missed tackles. I don't think that that's going to it's exclusively indicate indicates that it's just the twos and threes that don't tackle well. It shows that we're not quite doing something right and that it's something we need to address and work on because it's hard to imagine that you know your twos and threes are missing all these tackles, but the starters are, are a different breed and they're not going to miss tackles um, when the regular season hits. Talking to Kyle Vandenbosch. Uh, Kyle, before we let you go, obviously Kyler Murray called plays again in the fourth quarter, and they made a big deal of the fact that he called both the uh, the scoring drives. One of them was a very short one, but both the touchdown drives. Why don't more teams do this if they have a younger quarterback? 
It's a good question. I actually think it's a great idea. Um, you know, you, you get used to the flow. And, and as Kyler gets experience, you know, um, you know, Peyton went through this and Tom Brady went through this. A, a lot of times, um, you know, your first few years in the league, um, you're strictly relying on the offensive coordinator um, to put you in the best position, to put you in the right calls. You, you might have a check or two that you can make based upon what you see. But as you mature, um, quarterbacks get a feel for what's working on the field. They can see things from a different vantage point than the coaches on the sidelines can. And when you get and, – and look, Kyler's locked up. He's going to be here for the, the foreseeable future. So to empower him down the road and say, okay, what are you seeing? Um, why don't you go out there and, and call plays at the line of scrimmage? Because, I mean, you know this offense, when it is at its best, they're operating at a pace and they're moving the ball and they're getting up on the line of scrimmage quickly. Sometimes getting the call from the sideline, um, it delays that process and slows everything down. But if Kyler gets into a groove and and feels how things are going and what's working and, and um, is seeing things really well from the field, you know, down the road, I don't know if it's this year or maybe next year, but he's going to be here. Um, for him to take ownership and be able to go out there and call plays himself would, would be a huge asset to this offense. Kyle, just remember, Josh Hokett, just remember, <laughs> Josh Hokett. Okay, bro? I haven't seen him. Does he have, does he have a neck roll? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that mandatory for all fullbacks? You know what? I need to talk to him about that, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh, boy. This poor guy. Kyle, thank you, Thanks, brother. Thanks, Kyle. You got it, guys. Have a good okay, one. Man. That's Kyle Vandenbosch checking in on the Arizona Sports Line. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. And, uh, yeah, Kyler Murray called plays once again last night. What kind of benefits does that give a young quarterback and really the offense in general? We'll discuss that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. You get pulled every time by Coheed and Cambria. Boy, does that sound like Getty? He's probably trying to sound like Stop it! There's no way in the world, man. That's not Getty Lee. That's... I don't know his name. Don Coheed. I don't know. I don't know his name. Dude, what are you doing? They, they probably should do like a rush cover, huh? That would completely oh throw you goodness. off. I'm going to see if they covered Rush ever. Stop it. All right. Next. Uh, all right, Wolf. The uh, the next that you are calling for is Kyler Murray last night calling some plays for the Cardinals. And not just calling like, hey, okay, Kyler got a, a drive there uh, in the third quarter and nothing happened and it was uneventful. He actually called both of the Cardinals touchdown drives. In fact, they almost came back and made things really interesting at the end of that game. And I would assume if they had scored, they would have gone for two. Just put right, this away, course, right? Yeah, end it. Forget and about this, the tie. This stupid winning streak that the Ravens have that I now hate that I didn't even care about a week ago, but now <laughs> yes. I just hate it. Uh, but all right, oh, Kyler Murray calling plays again, and we just talked to Kyle Vanderbosch right there at the end of that interview. We asked him about it, and and I'm going to ask you the same question because you and I haven't got to talk about this yet. I'm not saying every team should do this. I'm not saying that this is like going to revolutionize football. If I'm the Broncos, I'm not going to have Russell Wilson calling plays. I'm sure if Green Bay asked Aaron Rodgers to call plays, he'd be like, hold on, man, I'm getting a tattoo yeah, of a right. star. But a young Stop player... Stop it. Where's the toad? Yeah. I'm, 
<laughs> Where's let me lick that thing? Okay, okay great. Thank you, Aaron. So Thank he's you. Too busy licking toads? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, right. Psychedelic toads. Yes, that's what okay. I'm saying. Just right. Stop it. Uh, he's not worried about calling plays in preseason. But if you have a a young quarterback like a Kyler Murray or a Justin Herbert or a Trevor Lawrence or any of these guys, why wouldn't you say, "Look, you're not doing anything in the fourth quarter anyway. Why don't you call some plays and get that perspective?" Not in a regular season game, but I think preseason game, we're seeing, I think, some benefits. I know some people are just like, that's nothing, whatever. At least you're keeping your quarterback invested in the fourth quarter of a meaningless game. Yeah, you know, look, how much can you actually read into this, right? You know I'm for this. I I thought it was a brilliant idea as well that Cliff Kingsbury has him engaged on the sideline. It's a simple idea that here you've got this young developing quarterback, and that's the way that I still look at Kyler Murray, a young quarterback that is still developing. He's got a lot of room to grow in a lot of areas, and some of it is game planning and understanding defenses and understanding offenses and the schemes in which you're running, right? I love the idea of it. Yet at the same time, you are running some of your base stuff. Yeah, it's not anything that's dressed up at all. It's very, very base. It's very vanilla. You're not showing the other team, of course, anything in preseason for the most part. The one thing that I I would... (laughs) And this is the Bill Belichick and me coming out. Uh This is it right here. I fully admit it, Luke. It is Bill Belichick in in the way that Bill was myopic, the way he'd focus on some details. He was so detail-oriented. Does this actually reveal a little bit of Kyler Murray's soul and what he likes, what he doesn't like? I'm just saying right now, to me, Bill Belichick, knowing that they're going to play the Arizona Cardinals, he's got some assistant to the assistant coach breaking down tape on <laughs> Kyler Murray in the, in the plays he's calling I in think preseason. You're right. I think you're right. But as Cliff Kingsbury, aren't you supposed to also know that and be like, look, man, because what is that, like week 13, week 12? It's late in the season anyway. We're going to have adjusted so much by then, and we're going to keep in the back of our mind that Bill's watched what you did. Sure, I'm just saying there are some coaches out there that I think they're going to be reading into everything that he's calling right now because it really is. It is a play caller. He bears his soul when he's out there actually calling a play. But the difference with a quarterback is this is what he likes as opposed to just a play caller saying, you know, we're going to take advantage of your weakness at defense, and that's why we're, we're attacking you right there. In the preseason, all things are pretty vanilla for the most part. So this is really a little bit of insight into Kyler Murray and his soul. Uh, here's Cliff Kingsbury after the game. Of course, he was asked about the touchdown drives being the ones that Kyler called, not him. He did a nice job. He's fired up. He's way more excited than he gets when he throws one, so I don't know what that's all about, but um, yeah, it was, it was fun to watch. He was talking to those guys and doing a nice job leading. Okay, but what he just said, I said that last week. Kyler Murray looks a lot more excited when he calls a touchdown yeah. play than I just keep using the Hale Murray as the example. I'm sh- obviously, he's more excited when he throws a touchdown, but I'm just saying, outwardly, <laughs> he shows emotions when he calls a play where his team gets a big gain yeah. as opposed to when he's playing. I don't know if he's just in the zone or what, but the Hale Murray is about the most extreme play I can think of a quarterback having that wasn't like in the Super Bowl. And he chucked that, and everybody went crazy, and he was just like, all right, now what? Oh, the game's yeah. over? Okay, bye. Yeah. But he calls a, a, a touchdown drive for Jarrett. 
Garantano, and all of a sudden it's like Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know what? There, there's got to be a little something there. What is it? Is it the fact that he's a big Madden guy? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's, it's got to feel like he's kind of playing a video game. Madden ultimately, has him right? Well. You, you think of some of the guys. You see D Hop l- lurking around him a little bit, right? You see Hollywood, Hollywood yeah. as well. You, you know they're saying, "Hey, call this yeah, man, Tyler." Right? I mean, it's a, <laughs> where's the control? Where's the remote? Hopkins does like Hollywood when he. You're right. He's around him every time Kyler's calling plays, but he's just kind of got this smile on his face. He's like, "Oh, this is cool. Maybe I'll call a play." Hopkins <laughs> just kind of like sidles into the screen and yeah. is like, "I'm here to do DeAndre Hopkins things." Exactly, man. I, I just honestly, it's it's something I think is a great idea. I really do. Will, will there be some people that I think will try to read into that? As ridiculous as that sounds, yeah, I think there probably will. Knowing Bill Belichick and how detail-oriented he is. Yeah, what exactly did he call in this situation? Yeah, they're incredibly base plays. Yes, you're not game planning for anybody. But it does kind of bear the soul of a quarterback in what he likes. Here's more from uh, from Cliff. Kyler calling for the uh, deep passes. <laughs> yeah, he's going to take a shot. <laughs> we were all telling him to just get a little bit, um, but he wanted to take a shot. He did just kind of have uh, have Garantano just chuck it down the field on, what was that, 4th and 10, I think. He was just like, go for it, and then more and more from Cliff. I just think my life would be a lot easier if I didn't call plays. That's a good gig, if I could just do that. But I wouldn't get paid to do that. <laughs> That's that's great. It's just outsourcing the play calling to his quarterback. You're so right about that. I mean, so much of the time, you're either really, really good at play calling or you're not. And I think Cliff is still really, really good at that. I do believe there are some coaches. You look at Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hand it over. I'm not going to call plays anymore. You look at some of the older coaches. They have started to um, divvy out to the play calling responsibilities to other coaches on their staff and I think Cliff is still so young he's not going to give that up for well, another no. 15 years and that's that's a main reason why he got hired where his, his offensive plays too uh, alright we come back over to basketball another team has entered the Kevin Durant chat and it's not a team you want to get Kevin Durant that's next it's the Wolf and Luke show on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, Wolf, we, um, we sort of made the promise to ourselves on this show that we weren't going to engage in the Kevin Durant stuff unless, like, some new stuff came out, right? Yeah. Well, some new stuff has come out. Of course. Uh, this is from Shams. It has a story up on The Athletic talking about... Here, I'll just let you hit the... Uh, There was no point in even trying to talk over that. You just got to. You got to play it, do you not, my brothers? Yes. Okay, Luke, what were you saying? I don't want the Memphis Grizzlies to get Kevin Durant, and they're apparently in the conversation now. Everybody else that has been really, truly brought up in this, and Shams reiterates in his story that he thinks Boston, Toronto, and Miami are the, 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 the front runners to get Kevin Durant. Now, if you look at the Vegas odds, it's actually Boston and then right behind them, the Phoenix Suns. And Phoenix, to me, 
is the wild card in all this because that was the team he originally, KD, wanted to go to. And I think we've all watched enough NBA basketball over the last five years to know that typically if there is a team a star player wants to go to, they end up on that team. Or if they have two or three, they certainly end up on one of those two or three. Yes. There's a couple ways to go with this conversation, but I want to start with this. Memphis, according to Shams, is in the mix because they can give up picks. They can actually give up more picks than anybody because they have a, a couple extra picks. And they can give up players, although they are apparently adamant they're not going to give Desmond Bain or Jaron Jackson Jr. to Brooklyn in a trade. Right. But they're and at that's least, probably why it's not going to happen. Yeah, if them. you're really not going to do that. That's not <laughs> you're not going to do it. At least you're posturing right now that you're not going to do it. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting that in Shams' article, he he teared it out, man. He put teams in tiers. Tier 1, Tier 2, and Tier 3. He went ahead and said, you know what, the Boston Celtics are in a tier by themselves. They are Tier 1, most likely right now to land Kevin Durant. Tier 2 had the Toronto Raptors and the Miami Heat. And then in Tier 3, it was the Grizzlies and the Suns. Oh, the Phoenix Suns. In Tier 3, says Sham Sharania. The thing is, if it's if it's not going to be Phoenix, I think we can all just move forward. I think and we talked we took uh, we took a ton of calls last week, and what was it? Uh, only two of all of them were like, "No, I still want Durant." If Kevin Durant got traded here in two hours, I think everybody would get on board. But you have a team that is fine without Durant. I think you still probably need to do a little tinkering, but you're talking about a, a contender. <laughs> That's just awesome there? right there. Just break out the chainsaw. You're talking about the callers. Oh, yeah, you're right. They yeah. did. They, they Rip job. <laughs> they, they were pretty relentless. Uh, but you can't have them going somewhere in the West. And so those tiers you just pointed out, where you had Boston in Tier 1, Toronto, Miami in Tier 2. If he's not coming to Phoenix, fine. Go to Toronto or whatever. That's not going to work either. But you can't have him going to Memphis. That would be an issue. Why? Because Memphis is in the Western Conference. Okay, I see what you're saying right there. Okay, great. But that's, you know what, I'm not worried about the Grizzlies at all. I'm all right. sorry. I'm not. You're not worried about it, John Morant and Kevin Durant It also on the same tells team? me, well, yeah, now that would be a problem right there. <laughs> Morant? I'll believe it. Durant? Morant and Durant. I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I Listen, the reason why I'm so positive on this, I believe Kevin Durant wants to be a Phoenix Sun. That's that's what I think, ultimately. And right now, the Nets, they've got a big problem, don't they? They really do. It's This tells me that the Nets want KD gone, obviously, before the season. Before the season. The activity appears to be busy. Would you, would you dispute that, Luke? No. It appears as though there's a lot going on behind the scenes, even as we speak. And if you if you are in that group that wants Durant to Phoenix, you probably want this to drag on for a little bit, honestly, because this brings us to another point, Wolf, that you and I both made. And I know some people that really believe that Durant's coming here don't think this was a factor, but it sure feels like a factor. DeAndre Ayton getting offer sheeted to the point where they had to lock him in 
ties the sun's hands on this to a yeah. certain extent. It really yes. does because the reason, according to Shams, that these other teams are, are better contenders to land Durant is not that he wants to go to them more. It's that they have more to theoretically offer. Yes, I know. But you know what, Luke? I keep coming back to it, man. I really do. And you've already said this, and we've talked about it ad nauseum many, many times. When a superstar wants out, he typically gets out. And when a superstar wants out to a specific team, guess what? Somehow, some way, that seems to happen. They want him gone. There's no way. They want him gone before the season starts, and they want him gone for obvious reasons. Um, don't tell me that they won't move him for a discount either. That's the other thing. As they near the season, don't tell me they won't move him for a discount. Because I don't believe it. it. Well, they're going to have to at a certain point. It, 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 I'm sure some of this is them trying to start a bidding war, right? Like, oh, look, Memphis is interested now, too. No doubt. But if you're the Suns, what, what are you going to be like? Well, cool. We can't offer you any more than we're offering. Right. Like, you're not... <laughs> we're going to throw in... We can't legally give you more first-round picks. We can't legally give you DeAndre Ayton. What, what do you, why are you telling us yes, this, right? Right. You know what, what you just said right there is beautiful. The Nats, why? January 15th. Don't talk to me about January 15th. All right? We're, we're going to get him gone before the season starts. So now all of a sudden, you've got the fact that I still believe, this is just me, God feeling, early on, all the stories, all the rumors that were out there. Yeah, KD wanted to come play. He mm-hmm. wants to play with Devin Booker. He wants to be here in Phoenix. So I believe that still exists. And now I know the Nets have to get rid of them. They have to move them before the season starts. I may be dead wrong on that, Luke. I may be. But we'll see. I don't think I am. I think they know they got to move them. Those two things coming together once again. The fact that I, I still believe KD wants to play for the Suns. That's his number one choice. That's number one. And number two, the fact the Nets have to move Kevin Durant. Because he can't bring him into that team. Well, and they see, can't do it. that leads into my gut feeling, and I can never prove this, right? But I feel pretty confident if Indiana doesn't offer sheet DeAndre Ayton, the Suns get Kevin Durant. And maybe they still get him. But if Indiana doesn't offer sheet him, I feel really confident they would have found a way to do this. Shams goes on in the story, says the Suns have dangled a package around all defensive wing Mikel Bridges and a handful of first-round picks, which has not picked up any steam with the Nets, league sources said. With DeAndre Ayton signed to a four-year maximum contract and unable to be moved until January, Phoenix has attempted over the past month to make creative proposals to Brooklyn. He goes on and on and says, you know, trying to evolve a third, fourth team, whatever. Uh, But to your point, Wolf, we're kind of at this this crossroads now where Brooklyn needs to move him before the season. Yes. The Suns probably don't have enough to get him until January 15th. Yes. If DeAndre Ayton had not been offer sheeted by Indiana and he was still just kind of in limbo right now, would you not go back to Brooklyn and say, look, you're desperate. You've got to move him. All this stuff with Joe Sy and, and Durant meeting, that happened after Ayton. I would, if I were the Suns, I would have been like, look, we'll ship Ayton to Utah. They'll ship Donovan Mitchell to you. We'll ship you Cam Johnson and some picks or whatever. That's a better package than you're getting from any other team Durant actually wants to yeah. go to. But with Ayton locked in now, you can't make a real offer until January 15th. Yes, I I realize that, Luke, yet at the same time, again, maybe you need that fourth 
team to get involved. I need like eight Somehow, teams. Yeah, I mean, honestly. But that's why the Suns are looking for some type of creative solution to this. Yes. To still get Kevin Durant, and they still feel like they're right in the middle of it. And the fact that there's all this activity. You read the article from Shams, man. That's the one big takeaway you have. All this activity still swirling around Kevin Durant. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are getting KD fatigue. I'm one of them. There's no no denying I am one of them. But it doesn't mean that there's not a ton of activity going on right now and a lot more teams involved than we even know to make this happen. I, and I know this. you got to boil it down, man. There's all this stuff in the top of the funnel. What's coming out of the bottom of the funnel? What's coming out of the bottom? The bottom is this. Kevin Durant wants to be a Phoenix Sun. That's number one. Number two, the Nets need to trade him before the season starts. And those two How things don't add up. How is that going now. to happen? Those those two things don't add up. Whereas if Aiton was still somebody you could trade, there's a way to make those two things add up. Well, still maybe there is a way. Maybe still a way to make it happen. There we'll might see. still be a way, but I'm just the other part of this. We'll get back into this later on. The part of this article I didn't like is that it flat out says the Phoenix Suns similarly have dangled a package around all defensive wing Mikel Bridges and a handful of first round draft picks. Yes, I don't think those first round draft picks are going to have their feelings hurt. They don't even know who they are yet. But I just remember how Jalen Brown reacted. Mikel Bridges is a different guy. He's not going to react the same way. But what have we been saying? You know, Boston had to kind of do some damage control because a, a trade proposal or a dangling or whatever you want to call it got leaked out there. Yeah. We had not heard anything from the Suns actually offering Mikel Bridges until today. I think the Suns have already talked to Mikel Bridges about this very thing. I think they've already spoke with him. We come back after preseason game number two. Is the running back room for the Cardinals any clearer? That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Coffee.